Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. So, welcome back to the Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Nick Carman, and this evening I'm joined by Thomas Jordak. And in 2018, Thomas became a partner and head of real estate at Middlecap. He joined having established HB Revis in the UK. During his tenure as their chief exec, HB Revis made all the headlines with their acquisition of Elizabeth House, now better known as One Waterloo. So, Thomas, thank you very much for joining me. Hello, Nick. Hi. So, Let's get us started. Yeah, tell us, how does chapter one begin? So my professional career started immediately after university. I, I was trained architect and I thought that that's my future. I will, I will be designing the best beautiful uh, buildings around the world. But immediately after the university, I moved to London. I started to work on, uh, on projects. And then I realized that the freedom of an architect is very limited by the investor's requirements. And sometimes uh, the requirements were not logical or were not leading to the best product. And, uh, and uh, the first year of my career was very frustrating. So, so I realized this is probably not how I want to spend life fighting with the investors about making better or more practical product. So as I was very soon after after the university, I had the freedom to take time off after one year of really hard work in the architecture studio. And, uh, and I said, okay, I need to rethink the future. I, I, uh, I need to take some time off. And I started to travel and think about my future. And when I was traveling, I realized that I'm too young to to sit in the job somewhere in the office and work 12 hours a day. So I, I need more time to think. So then next two years, I was uh, going around the world, meeting new people, meeting, uh, seeing different ideas, how people approach to development of their cities and development of their lives and also social uh, different social structures and different social experiences. And I realized that this is this is very interesting, the variety of cultures of people. And the first idea when I came home back to Bratislava, uh, I, I said, okay, I still want to meet the people. So I opened first hostel, second hostel, third hostel. At the end, I ended up having chain of hostels uh, as a very young entrepreneur. And as the business was relatively successful, I had enough. Uh, resources to travel. I started to develop new sites for the hostels, and uh, and at the end I exited uh, the business after four or five years. So this part of my career was like searching what is important to me, but also I I got exposed to entrepreneurship. I was exposed to a really hard decision because uh, to start the first hostel uh, I was borrowing a lot of money. And it was uh, it was really tough job for first three years. So this is where I would I would stop the first chapter because this was uh, this was chapter of relative freedom, new decisions, and all the decisions and all the motivations for next steps were very emotional. 
So the emotion was very important for, for each move in, in this part of career. But after I exited the hostels, I, I realized that, that creating an environment, creating houses is, is something what I'm really excited about, creating the communities within the new buildings. But being involved as an architect didn't give me enough freedom to decide what will be happening, how, how the product will look like. And then I realized that real estate development is probably the area where, uh, where you have the chance to, in, to use your freedom and emotions to create new environments. So that, that was the motivating part of what I wanted to do. So, so my next step was uh, very clear. I decided I want to be a real estate developer. So I started to look for opportunities in these areas. And, uh, and in that time in Central and Eastern Europe, there were many new companies because the countries uh, were having new established system. There were uh, new offices, new businesses coming, coming from the West. So there was a lot of uh, development. So also a lot of opportunities in this area. Uh, and I met uh, Slovak slash Israeli group, which were expanding their activities in Czechoslovakia, but also in uh, Russia and in Romania. And I took the opportunity to join as a development manager and uh, this was second step in the career, which changed the freedom and emotion into structure. In this big organization, I, I learned a lot about how development project starts, that it doesn't start with emotion, but it starts with feasibility study. It's tested before the project is purchased. The project is tested on the financial side, on delivery side, on technical side. And uh, this was really helpful to, to really understand the details. And uh, there was a very important person, which, which was my boss, Dov Luxemburg, in that time, uh, Israeli, very experienced developer, who forced me to get very deep into the numbers. And, uh, and uh, this was four years of very tough moments over the Excel sheet where he was fighting with me about, uh, about every little detail. But in, in, in this part of my career, I got something what I was missing before because, because I was believing that real estate de development is about dreams becoming physical, becoming true. And uh, then I realized it has uh, much more into it. I've got to ask, Thomas, you, you told that story really, really well. But it's that young architect who then becomes the successful entrepreneur who then um, joins someone else's sort of business. How easy is that transition from running your own company, being you know, by, by your own admission, then, you know, sort of a very, a very young guy, sort of you know, full of the, the ideas here of running their own business? How, how easy a transition was that then to working for someone else? was not easy at all for for me to become an employee was <laughs> really hard I, I i had behind me eight years of complete freedom i had enough resources to live like life like that and uh, 
I don't want to call it slavery, but uh, to, to, to come into the new situation after eight years of traveling, uh, meeting new people, coming into job which started eight in the morning and I was sitting in the office until, uh, until eight in the evening and uh, spending 12 hours a day on an Excel sheet, which before I was spending the time outdoors. I, I was always <laughs> outdoors. And I, uh, so, so it was complete shock to me, but, but I felt that the move from uh, idealistic world into the real hard, because real estate development is, is probably the riskiest job on the way from idea to complete development. You are facing 10 different uh, levels of risk, uh, you know, from acquisition uh, risk, structural, legal, then you, then you have the planning risk, you're coming to leasing, delivery risk on the construction side. It, it's really complex. And, uh, and just dreaming with emotions about some results, I, I understood that I need the hard work sitting in the office and really understand every detail of the project to be able to deliver the big project. The other, the other big change moving on from, uh, from the hostel business, which was operational business, where real estate development is strategic investment. It's it's a long-term strategic decision which you need to follow certain procedures to achieve the aim. So so I understood that if I want to do big projects uh, in hundreds of millions, you need to be able to demonstrate that uh, you are able to go through the path which delivers success at the at the end. So I understood this as a second university where I'm learning uh, uh, in in that job in Eastfield. What does they think they saw in you? Because, you know, as uncomfortable a move it would be for you, from a recruiter's point of view, so you wouldn't be the first candidate I think of either, the person who's been running a successful business, but whilst travelling for the past four years to come to come work and sit behind a, an Excel spreadsheet. What, why do you think what do you think you showed them at that early stage that got them really excited to support you? Yeah, and uh, this was the great times in uh, Central Europe after the transition from the communist time into into the new age of capitalist economy. Okay. That there, were, that there were endless opportunities because the older generation, like people five, seven years older than me, they were already intoxicated with the with the old uh, communist type of working, and they were they were not available for the market. So anyone who was who was starting new business or the Western companies coming to Central and Eastern Europe, they had no not much uh, uh, people to choose from because only the younger generation was speaking the languages were able to adopt to the new system they were they were able to travel because the older people were not not able to travel so my my half of my job was in russia in that time and every week i was traveling to russia and uh, most of the people were not open to traveling for for the job so so it was more like the situation which was uh, in in these countries uh, in the 2000s. Okay. What did you learn about yourself then? You, you, you described the lessons you learned technically, but what, 
at this, at this sort of point now in your career, what do you think you really learned about yourself? I learned that I can work hard if I want something. That was uh, that was really um, because I I really tried to describe the shock for me, like coming to the office and sitting there twelve hours, and uh, I I have to say I was really working hard, and I was so excited about how much I'm learning. So the curiosity and uh, and the willingness to learn and work hard that that was something which. I didn't know before I have. So that was that was good. So Thomas, during this chapter then specifically, what was the biggest challenge you faced? I think the biggest uh, challenge uh, within this chapter of my life was uh, the scale of the project which we got opportunity to develop. It was uh, it was 1600 hectares uh, of beautiful land uh, next to the Black Sea in Russia. And what I learned here is that the development projects are always coordination of hundreds of professions, professionals, uh, knowledge. All this is put together to get a good outcome. And what was very important that uh, that you are able to listen to all the opinions and all the inputs which you are getting there and uh, Arrogance doesn't help. You you need to really put all these people together, and uh, and successful project is the one when you are able to really understand all all the inputs and mix them together with the result. So Thomas, one of the key things that I I always come back to during these podcasts is that people like you and your peer group, you very rarely stand still. You have this really sharpened ability to spot when the learning pace slows down and you do something about it. What was the point you think in this chapter that you started to learn at a slower rate or the cadence of that of that acceleration slowed down? Thank you for this question. This is a really good question. Uh, the, I think it's important to realize every at every point in your career what if you are achieving what you set up as your goal. And and uh, and I think this is very important. Uh, it was very important moment in uh, on delivering the project in Russia, which was the most beautiful project with five hotels, golf resort, vineyards. It, it was amazing product. And the whole team was uh, very emotional about it. So everyone was focused on uh, on the product so much that they didn't realize the problems of the organization itself. And we all were so focused on the result and delivering the pro- project that we didn't realize that the, that the company is losing pace and losing power and it's not anymore uh, fit to do, deliver the project. And... At some point, uh, uh, we realized that things are not, in, not going uh, that good as, as we all thought. And some of the people started to focus on how to improve it. But, uh, but you need to be realistic in these hard moments that, okay, is it possible to achieve what was planned or it's not possible anymore and I move. I need to move forward. And uh, and this is the de- decision which I took in 2012 where I saw that uh, that there is very limited progress on, on, on the project and also the leadership of the company is struggling with, with giving the future 
future direction for the whole organization. So I I, I think this uh, this was a chapter of my life where where it was uh, after the freedom there was a chapter of structure and learning, and at this point I I already had the confidence that that I know what I want to do. I had confidence that uh, the hard knowledge uh, I understand what I'm doing, how to deliver projects. So my next next stage was decided. I need to start to work in proper development company with big ambitions and the best projects. And uh, and here uh, I found the opportunity to join uh, HB Ravis where they were looking for uh, acquisitions director. And uh, normally the acquisition director is not strategic role. It's a it's a role within the within a market where you are looking for new opportunities. But the situation in HBRIs was a bit different. They were looking for strategic expansion because they were the biggest Central European uh, commercial developer, and they they felt that. The market is too small for them, and they were deciding. So, what is what is next? So, the acquisition role there was not only to get new opportunities within the existing markets, but also decide geographically where are the new potential opportunities and how the company should develop geographically further. So, the first years in there was a really very deep assessment of Western European markets, but also alternative markets in uh, uh, Middle East, uh, alternative markets. So we were looking at Turkey, Istanbul, Ankara. We were looking at Northern Europe. So, so it was really very deep analysis of the market with uh, resources available, if some of the markets seems to uh, seems to perform, uh, we had the resources to start, and that was the case of Turkey and uh, and uh, UK. We believed in the market. We had seen its uh, both of the market being very healthy, and uh, we put forward first uh, first offers on both markets and uh, offer to buy 33 King William Street project in 2013 was successful. Uh, we successfully finalized uh, the transaction and and we had the first project here. And that was a start of new chapter. So you, you made that start, that chapter sound very smooth. Sorry, but let's just, I just want to dig into this. You mentioned you'd done, you'd worked, hadn't you, as an architect in the UK, but had you ever had any ex- acquisitions experience of the UK market or Istanbul? I didn't have the experience from the past, but what what is here very important that when you are entering a new market, everyone is looking at you as a new animal. So what is the number one important thing? You need to get trust from the people. You need to have empathy to be able to communicate with the people that you that you show respect to what is happening in the country and how how you want to uh, become a part of it. So you are not coming arrogant with your opinion how how the things should should be run. And uh, of course, the most important thing is the the transparency. People need to believe that you are not speculator. You are really coming strategically long term. 
And yes, the first transaction in uh, in the UK was very hard. The agent didn't want to talk to us to get a legal uh, office to support us. was very hard. And, uh, and it was like... Uh, nothing and a hundred uh, pre-transaction and post-transaction. Like uh, before you do first transaction in the UK, it's, it's really very, very hard to get the trust from the people. How do you manage that? Because, uh, you know, I'd, although I'm from the north, you know, I do, I do all my work in London and I, and I can imagine, I, I, rem- I remember when people were talking about this HB Rebus and, and, and it wasn't a compliment when they, you know, when they said, oh, it's the land sec of Eastern Europe. It was always tongue in cheek. People didn't yeah. take it very seriously. Yeah. And uh, uh, then, uh, you know, when, when people don't take you seriously because of what you have achieved and what you have done, you need to really uh, rely on the soft skills. I, I, I think that was my strong, strong part that in that time I was able to really get on my side few people. So it was not the whole organization of, of lawyers. It was one particular person which I was able to talk to and get him on my side, believing us that we are going to perform on the transaction. Then uh, there was one person from an agency which believed us then uh, meeting with the counterparty in the process to persuade them that we are uh, that we are completing the transaction. And, and really it was uh, interpersonal skills which, which made few people believe that you are trustworthy and uh, and it makes sense to go into the transaction with you. And this was the way with few personal connections to get to the point when you do transaction and then then people have the evidence that that you are there. So Thomas, I said in the introduction that yeah, your your arrival then into you know, into the UK was all was part of the expansion then of, of HB Revis. And we now know, you know, where it gets to. We now know it's now part, you know, part of the establishment of that very small oligarch of commercial developers. How did you take it there? How did you go from zero to where it is today? I think we, it was building on the on the experience from the previous two decades. So, as I said, the first part was the was the emotion, courage, and entrepreneurship, which was at the beginning where where I wanted to achieve something and uh, to deliver the best, most beautiful project. Then in the second stage, I, I got the structure, I got the Excel, I got the technical knowledge how, how to do it. And I think after purchasing the first project with HP Reavis uh, in 2013, the next task was to build the organization to be able to deliver that kind of project. It was excellent that we had the structure in other countries, so the technical knowledge was there, but but you needed to build the local local organization to be able to build the business strategically to the future. And uh, here, it was very important to select first uh, four, five, six people into the company because the first team was the team which was uh, able to communicate the ambition 
and the strategy and uh, and the first uh, team had to believe in the unique selling proposition of the developer because we believe that we are the most efficient but also the most experienced de- developer uh, of commercial space in Europe by by volume it was true but we have very limited experience of UK market so so there was the humble approach that you need to accept the local knowledge, but you need to bring also the understanding of the USP which you want to deliver on the, on the market. And, uh, and for transponding this into the, into the local team, it, it needed a lot of uh, leadership. You need to show the people what, what is the aim and you need to get them excited about, uh, about, the, about the target. So it was very uh, exciting time uh, from 2013 till 2018 when I when I left uh, HB Ravis, uh, the company grew from uh, from myself as a first employee in the UK with uh, Jonathan as a second employee in the U- UK. We we grow into uh, organization of hundred employees. Uh, we had all the necessary departments. Uh, the construction management, uh, we, we had the leasing team, marketing. So so we had a full full developer on the ground after five years. And we also had a pipeline of four projects in that time. So the company was uh, was ready for a successful future. So I just want to bring in a bit of our research now, Thomas, because I managed to speak to someone who, who knew you from those very, very early days, having arrived in the UK. And I asked them just a little bit about your leadership style. And this is what they said. Thomas lets you get on with things, but he expects you to perform. And in turn, you want to perform for him. Now, that's that's a very nice sentiment. But I, I wanted just to drill into that and, and ask, you know, how is it you got people to perform for you? You, know, you mentioned before that you know this is this is a new name. It's a new you're, you're a new individual to to this market. You've made one acquisition. How did you get people to buy in to to that vision, and how did you get them to perform for you? Look, my my leadership style is always based on on respect. When I use example from my career, when I came from my freedom traveling entrepreneurs times in into the slavery times of my career when, <laughs> when, when I was sitting in the office 12 hours and uh, and uh, redoing Excel 50 times. What I noticed there that when I started, people was the leadership of, of, of a dictator. So I was learning a lot and it was good that I got into that kind of situation. But sometimes I have good inputs and no one listened to them. So that was my big learning that if you want to get best of the people, just let them let them do. Because every time you navigate them and you tell them this should be the result, they they lose motivation. So so I'm trying to interfere into what people are doing least as possible, and I'm I'm stepping in only when I see that we are we are losing direction or we don't have. Uh, we don't understand on the same target. Or uh, I, I really believe that people are professionals, and uh, and that's the beauty of of real estate development. You are working with top professionals, really experienced and intelligent people. So so 
So it's not a nursery. The people are able to perform on their own and you just need to make sure that the alignment on the target is is in place. Did that amount of respect and trust, did it ever backfire? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, you can't it, leave it there. Yes, it's 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 happening because uh, because sometimes you you find out too late that you were not completely aligned, and then you get the result which you didn't ask for. So so then it's more about having the structure in place that you are regularly checking on the, on which directions uh, which direction the people take, and and uh, and you make sure it's. It's really the direction which uh, which you are heading to. Okay, okay. Um, let's get back on onto the story. I'm sorry I, d- I distracted you. What's the what's the next big uh, milestone for us to tackle? The next big milestone after you know the HB Riavis uh, story ended up for me in 2018, where I I realized that uh, buying another project, which was uh, Project number five, we we finalized the transaction of Elizabeth House. We bought the probably largest site in uh, in uh, London in that time. But 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 I realized that that's it's that is a repeating story. That we are we are coming back acquisition preparation planning and delivery and uh, somehow. In uh, such a big organization as uh, HBRIAVIS was, uh, there were limited opportunities to move the business somewhere, and uh, and for me it became uh, too corporate. We 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 lost the entrepreneurship at some point, and uh, and uh, so I felt I I I I need more adventure. I need to move on. So so then I decided to resign as a CEO, and I and I moved. Towards the new future. How easy decision was that? No, then uh, in that time, uh, uh, my decision was to uh, raise some money and, and uh, really focus. Uh, uh, I, I haven't mentioned it, but uh, my ambition was always to deliver, maybe not by scale the biggest project, but my ambition was always the quality. So, so I was really trying to focus on. Uh, the most sustainable, most innovative projects. And after I finished with HBRIAVIS, I was trying to raise some money for uh, for really like revolutionary project. I was uh, probably one of the first people focusing on cal- calculating carbon, embodied carbon within the building because everyone was in that time focusing on uh, uh, cert- certification, offsetting. There were many tricks before COVID how... Uh, you can you you were still able to get uh, very good certificates, leads, BMs, uh, and and not having special buildings. So so I was really focusing on the real impact of the buildings, the real improvements within the technology, and uh, uh, and that was that was my aim to to really start new new fund and start new projects. And uh, I think in uh, in some way uh, I was successful. So uh, then I found investors. I found uh, Middlecap, which uh, which got excited about the way how I want to approach uh, the real estate development. And uh, after a few months of talking to, together, 
we put money together and uh, purchased first project, uh, Southworks. And uh, after the completion, three, four years a- a- later, uh, it was awarded the world's smartest building uh, in the world. So, so I, th- I think uh, from the strategic uh, point of view, what we wanted to achieve, uh, we did it. We have two other projects in uh, in London. We have uh, three projects in Berlin. So it's smaller organization, but the quality of the product, uh, I'm really proud of what we are achieving. Now, I wanted to ask, ask you then another question based on our research, and I think it's going to link in very nicely to what you just told us. So of all the people I spoke to, the same topics or the same even words kept coming up about when they were used to describe you and it was often vision and clarity now i wanted to ask you then about how you maintain how you how you manage to be able to have such a clear vision but also bring people with you as well because it's it's one thing it's one thing seeing seeing a problem or seeing a solution before other people and there's and there's you know there's there's some lucky people who are bright enough to do that but they're not always able to take people with them. You know, their their ideas get sidelined. So, how do you manage to do that? How do you manage to see to see those solutions fast in other people, and take people with you? I think the first thing is the curiosity. I to define what you want to do next. You need to understand what's your problem today. And uh, and I think where where I feel really that. I, I, I do things a bit differently. I am not looking at the real estate as a as a special part of the market or something. I, uh, for me, it's very important. Like I am every year in a web summit where uh, where it's about technologies, about uh, artificial intelligence. I, I was supporting Professor Baum on his future of real estate investment program at Oxford University. And I'm trying to see the different angles. The, the people in the Web Summit, which are people between 20 and 30 years old who see the world completely differently, they are relying on the on the technology and on the artificial intelligence, the people in the Oxford University investment program, it's people from all over the world who are who are from very different areas of business and are interested in, uh, in real estate. And they are bringing very different views into what real estate is for them. And I think what is really important for me that I have the opportunity to see all these different people and somehow extrapolate from that what is important for 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 the future. And if I'm defining product today in the real estate, I, I'm thinking about all this, how the people behave, what they do, what the people said uh, from the technological world in the Web Summit in Lisbon. And I'm trying to put it together and... Again, I'm coming to some kind of emotion, which then I'm somehow supporting with data. But but I have emotion what the new product should be. And then it's uh, mostly communication to be able to translate this to other people and lead them towards the target. Well, Thomas, talk, we've talked about the future there. Um, and that brings us on to, on to very nicely onto the segue, because we've got a, a question from our listeners. And this question's from from Hebe. Hi, I'm Hebe. My question today is, what do you look for in your future leaders? I think what is 
what is very important in uh, any leadership style which you have is uh, ability to take responsibility. And uh, when you are looking at the political leaders, uh, when you are looking at online leaders or any kind of leaders, sometimes they are missing uh, the idea of what they are saying, how it is translated into real action. And sometimes it feels like uh, they they don't feel responsible for what they say because it's just a statement which no one cares one week later about, but uh, that's not a leadership. So so I think it's it's the responsibility for for what you are doing and where you want to go to be able to be consistent over time and uh, and uh, really work hard to to deliver on what you are saying. Well, thank you very much for that. Now, keeping with the the topic of the future, we spent a lot of time looking backwards and you've got a fantastic and fascinating story so us. Begs the question, you know, what's what's coming next? What's coming next is uh very hard to say and that's beauty of real estate because uh when when you are making your investment decision with shares or with other products, you you just make decision and next day you see what what was happening. In real estate, the situation is different. You are making decisions which will become true five or six years later, and you can be completely on a wrong path. So so it's very important to to make informed decisions within a, within the real estate and. In some way, I am excited about the future. In uh, in some other way, I am a bit scared about the future because my main product I'm I'm doing residential and commercial uh, developments. On on residential, it's more stable, but on commercial side, you don't know what the product will be in five years. You don't know what the product will be in ten years, and I don't believe there is anyone who would guess what it will be in twenty years. So in last few months, I'm I'm really uh, focusing we we have like brainstorming sessions with uh, with different teams with different architects around Europe with with my colleagues here and we have sessions on what we believe what happens with office how people will work what what, what are the opportunities for developers there if there is maybe some new asset class which we can bring to investor and introduce to them and uh, maybe come up with something completely new and uh, attract some uh, money on on the on the on the new way of working so thomas before we wrap up let me get one last question in does the same thing drive you today that drove that young traveling entrepreneur 25 years ago? I think with uh, much more experience today and uh, much more structure and responsibility, uh, I understand it differently, but the drive and the main motivations are are very similar because I I remember myself setting up uh, the first hostel in Bratislava in 2000, and I was standing in front of the empty destroyed building and I was thinking about the refurbishment and I closed my eyes and I saw the final product there. And today, after 25 years, uh, I'm standing outside on the street in Berlin yesterday and I was looking for a new project. 
I closed my eyes, I was looking at it and I saw it finished with with gardens, with people living in the restaurants downstairs. And I think the drive is very similar. I'm dreaming about the place which is perfect for me and that's why I will uh, I believe it will serve also the other people. So so I think the the key drivers are the same at the end. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for sharing this story. Thank you much for uh, for, uh, for sort of giving us this insight as well, um, and all the lessons you've you've shared. So, on behalf of myself and our listeners, thank you again. Thank you, Nick. <laughs>